So we have been um, working our way through um, a few of the topics that you all have said that you have wanted to hear about. And um, today we have, we have arrived at the topic of capital punishment. How do we as people of faith, especially people of faith called United Methodists, talk about capital punishment? As I sat down to plan this sermon um, as I sat down to plan the series last month, at the beginning of last month, I was sitting in, a Weg- in the Wegmans Cafe. Uh, if you've been in the Wegmans Cafe, you'll notice that there's a TV on the wall in the back. I had in front of me my Bible and uh, the United Methodist Book of Discipline next to me so I could compare, um, like all the cool kids at Wegmans do, right? <laughs> I was reading through today's text alongside the Book of Discipline, and while I was doing all that, the TV... Um, in that little nook was tuned to CNN, and CNN was covering the verdict of Dylan Roof after the 2015 shooting at Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church. Um, this is the one that happened in, Char- in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, in, yeah, it was in 2015, people gathering for a Bible study, and um, they're gunned down in an act of hateful racial violence. So that morning, as I'm sitting in Wegmans, Roof was being convicted of 33 federal hate crime counts and nine counts of murder. And he was being sentenced to death. And the TV was muted. And I sat in the silence. Well, of course, like the buzzing around me that's happening at Wegmans. Um, And I watched those images flickering on the television, and I looked down at the Leviticus text, and I looked back at the screen, and the more I watched, the more hardened my heart got, my heart got as I watched, the angrier I got. I saw his face on the screen with no remorse, pictures of the church and pictures of the Sunday school classroom, pictures of the Christians in that church, and video footage of families mourning their deaths. And all I could think down deep, that whisper down deep inside of me was, good, good, kill him. Good, do it. He's done irreparable damage, and justice must be done. And my heart crusted over. And then I noticed that my Bible was open to our gospel reading today. And Jesus said, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You've heard that. You've done that. But I say to you, don't resist an evildoer. If anyone strikes you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. And I read that and I looked at the news And I felt my own heart, and I was convinced, maybe more than I have ever been convinced, that the God we get in Jesus is not made in our own image. This is not a God that we have conjured up and who who comes to say the things that we want to hear this God say. This is not what I want God to say. 
This is not what I want God to say in the face of injustice, in the face of the kind of hate enacted in, in Charleston, South Carolina. But we get a different God. We get a different God who brings up a different word. You heard it said, an eye for an eye. But I say, resist an evildoer. Don't resist an evildoer. And if anyone strikes you, offer the other cheek. And I think, what kind of God is this? What kind of God requires us to love those who are actively harming us? What kind of God do we have who calls us to love even the worst among us? Even those who shoot up churches. I was sitting there in Wegmans with my hard heart and my anger and God's call all sort of together and... I just felt lost in the chasm. I mean, that's all well and good, but the reality is that injustice happened, and the aftermath of that is not going away. And the repetition of that is not going away. We saw that two days ago in the news. Somebody else attempting to follow Ruth's Ruth's lead. And I sat there with the weight of it all, and I just felt lost in it. And I thought, maybe maybe you did too, because you asked for this topic. And so maybe that's why this was one of the top four topics, is, is because you see the injustices in the world, and you know they don't go away. But you also know what you hear here on Sunday mornings. And maybe you wanted to hear this because you've got the same news on your television and the same Bible on your kitchen table. What do we as people of faith have to say in this schism, in this chasm? What do we do? What do we think? So I wanted to actually point you to what the Book of Discipline actually says about this. We believe the death penalty denies the power of Christ to redeem restore and transform all human beings. The United Methodist Church is deeply concerned about crime throughout the world and the value of any life taken by a murder or homicide. We believe all human life is sacred and created by God, and therefore we must see all human life as significant and valuable. Let me move back. When governments implement the death penalty, capital punishment, then the life of the convicted person is devalued and all possibility of change in that person's life ends. We believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that the possibility of reconciliation with Christ comes through repentance. This gift of reconciliation is offered to all individuals without exception and gives all life new dignity and sacredness. For this reason... We oppose the death penalty, capital punishment, and urge its elimination from all criminal codes. By the way, for those of you who accuse me or our church, the Methodist Church, (laughs) of being on the fence most of the time, we are not on the fence on this issue. There is no fence here today. So that's, that's good news. For this reason, we oppose the death penalty and urge its elimination from all criminal codes. I sat there in Wegmans with the main story of the day and this call from the church 
And this story from Jesus, and I wondered, what kind of God is this, and what kind of people are these? People who would be concerned with the worst of our world. What kind of God is this? And I was reminded of my second year in divinity school. I attended a summer lecture series with Peter Story. You may know that name. I don't know. But Peter Story was the bishop of the Methodist Church in South Africa during apartheid. He worked hand-in-hand with Desmond Tutu. Um, And so, and and he he worked hand-in-hand with Desmond Tutu to work for nonviolent resistance while apartheid was going on, but also um, in the Truth and Reconciliation Commission that happened after um, all the devastation. You might have heard the Truth and uh, Reconciliation Commission before. You may have. Um, It was how they dealt with as a nation, the gross and vast injustices that happened during that time. Desmond Tutu and Bishop Story were the two people who orchestrated all of that. And in this lecture series, he told us about that process, what it was like. And he said one of the main things they had to wrestle with was um, we couldn't just ignore the injustices that had happened, and there were way too many people involved in the injustices to charge everyone. Um, And so... Uh, they had to offer space to name what happened, um, to create space for people to come and say what they had seen, to repent, to say what they had done. And um, Bishop Story told us, told us a story about a woman. Um, actually, he showed the video of it to us, but I couldn't find the video for you. It probably wouldn't be a video we'd want to watch today. Um, but he told us a story of a Zulu woman who had lost her son. He showed us a video of her telling her story, and um, in her story, she said that her son had been a victim of necklacing. Um, so necklacing, pray to God you have never heard of it. If you, if you haven't, if you, necklacing is the practice during apartheid where they would um, take a leader of a minority group and put him out in the middle of the street and put a, um, a tire around his neck and set the tire on fire and watch him be consumed in the street. Um, and this was practiced to set, um, to set an example um, for the folks. And this mother's child, the story, she was necklaced. And she sat in the room at the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, and on the other side of the room was the man who necklaced her son, and she recounted in vivid detail what had happened. He couldn't look up the whole time as she talked about it. He just looked at the floor. And when she finished telling her story, she gets up and she starts to walk across the room and she just shouts over and over and over again, you took my son. You took my son. You took my son. And then she stops screaming and she says in almost a matter-of-fact voice, And so now you are my son. And she reaches down and she embraces the man. And he's weeping and she is weeping. And the whole time I'm watching this video, I'm thinking, tears streaming down my face. I'm thinking, who is this person? What kind of person reacts like this? And who is her God? But of course, you know the answer to that you know what kind of people react to grave injustices like that. It's the people who have had an encounter with the God who loves us no matter what. 
who doesn't just say that our sins are okay and excuse them, but loves us until we're different people, who never gives up on that, who never gives up on us. You know that, and you know that because this is how we talk. This is how we work. This is what we do. By the way, it is worth noting that our stance on the death penalty I put up there is shared by almost every Christian expression of church around the world. Every major denomination, except for the Southern Baptist, (laughs) shares this stance. (laughs) Every formal expression of people who have had an encounter with the living God wind up here, wind up at that point where they say, this is totally incompatible with who God is. Because we've had an encounter with the God who says to us, you took my son, and now you're my child. We worship a God who is the victim of capital punishment at our hands, and who comes back again, And again, seeking us in love and grace and reconciliation, you know that because you're the kind of people who encounter God every week. Here, there, when you sing, when you take communion, the kind of people who continually have a run-in with the God who never gives up on us. In 2015, Kelly Grissendanner, I have to say her name right. Kelly Grissendanner was a 46-year-old Georgia woman who was put to death by lethal injection for persuading her boyfriend to kill her husband. At some, but that was back in 1998. And during the hearing and testimony submitted by her lawyer, Miss Grissendanner's supporters asked that she be spared. Her supporters were this odd bunch of people, too. It wasn't her family. It wasn't, um, it surely wasn't the family of her husband. They were adamant about her being put to death. But it was, she was surrounded by other inmates to whom she had been a spiritual advisor for the last, like, 20 years. And surrounded by theology professors that had come into the prison uh, through Candler Seminary um, that's connected to Emory in, um, in Atlanta, um, they will send some um, seminary professors into the, the prison and allow them to be able to take the kind of classes that we could take in seminary. So she's surrounded by professors, surrounded by people who consider her their pastor, um, and surrounded by, and then there's this one even weirder person there, renowned German theologian Jürgen Moltmann, who is, I mean, like somebody who takes after after World War II and um, uh, like the Hitler regime, it's somebody who takes that and and begins to run with it in Protestant the, um, theology. And I mean, his work is is known across the world. He's a professor at a at a seminary in in Germany, and so he's there also when she dies. And in 2010, Grissendanner enrolled in theology studies, and she began to send her papers to. Moltmann all the way in Germany, and they became pen pals. And for about 15 years, he would write her back and tell her um, what he, how, how she would connect uh, what was going on um, in Germany um, during World War II with how she was experiencing prison currently. 
Um, Moltman came to the States to be here for her execution, and I wanted, I wanted you to hear from him a little bit about his friendship with Kelly. Since we have a death penalty on Jesus and the cruel execution of that on the cross, we don't like death penalty and must away, must get away with this uh, on Christian terms. That's just a political term. You're saying it's a Christian term? Yeah. You have had in your country recently this uh, execution of Kelly Gissentaner. Uh, I knew her and we had a, a friendly correspondence on personal and theological questions. And uh, the of Georgia executed her three times. This is an unheard cruelty. Three times she waited in chains for hours to be executed in February and in March and uh, recently in September. Uh, uh, and uh, the outcry of the majority of was heard all over the world and the Pope uh, intervened and uh, but uh, the commission of parole and pardon uh, they didn't know what they were doing We don't know what we're doing. Yeah. What questions were did she ask you? Well, uh, how to live with a, a heavy stone of guilt on her shoulders, and I admired the strength of her belief and her faith, and uh, she became a, a lay pastor for her co-prisoners. Uh, she prevented suicides and uh, gave consolation to the young prisoners. Uh, I met her four years ago in the Arendelle State Prison. Very young prisoners, very young girls. 
and uh, she became a mother figure for these girls. And she died with a, some amazing grace. And uh, when she tried the second verse, the poison worked. I don't know if you heard what he said, um, but he said that she was she was sentenced. She was put to death three times. Um, that's a whole other topic in itself. We could get into a whole other topic of 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 how we don't even do it right, <laughs> and we we get it wrong ha most of the time. But in here in the church, um, there are we stand on one argument that um, that Jesus in with a Zulu accent says to us you killed my son God says that to us and then says now you are my child what kind of God does this I invite you to sit and to reflect this morning and to just close your eyes for a little while during this next song. We don't just, we didn't just kill Jesus 2,000 years ago, <laughs> but we, we put Jesus to death every time, every time we put to, get, we put to death someone he loves. So I want us to just sit with that. Sit with that today. All the poor and power 